Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Pride Connection. My name is Bryn Lee, and uh, I'm only here for a brief moment to let you know that this episode is a replay from April 21st, 2020. This is our conversation with Kevin Spiritus and Michael Slade from the television series After Forever. If you want to check it out, it is available at AfterForeverTheSeries.com. And what exactly is this show all about? Well, um, it is about how one moves on after losing the love of their life. What happens to all of that love? All of these themes and so much more are explored in the critically acclaimed and multiple award-winning digital series, After Forever. Now, we have something very special planned for you, which will be airing on May 2nd and 9th on ACB Media and will be available on the Pride Connection podcast. We're going to be speaking with Kevin Spiritus from the After Forever crew again. This will be the third part of our series with the After Forever crew. And we wanted to kind of remind everybody about the series and get everyone who hasn't heard about it caught up, maybe give you an opportunity to go watch the show before part three airs on ACB Media. And again, that will be in our podcast and live airings on May 2nd and 9th. So without any further ado, here's Anthony Corona, Gabriel lopez Cafati, and our current BPI president, Leah Gardner, with Kevin Spiritas and Michael Slade. The show that we're talking about tonight is called After Forever. It is an Amazon digital series, and it's phenomenal. Leah, I know you just finished watching most of the episodes. What do you think? Well, I don't believe there was an episode that I didn't cry during. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that's I the goal, agree with Leah. Yeah, I know. If, if that's the goal of this series, <laughs> you achieve number well one there. You. <laughs> um, I don't think that's the first goal, but I don't think they're going to mind that. <laughs> but, no, because I think that's and 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 I'm sure our our amazing guests. Uh, we'll we'll jump in in a second, but but um, I'm sure one of the first goals, um, as is with any producer and um, actor uh, or actress, is to convey human emotion in a way yes. that connects with with the audience. And if you cried, and you know, I shed some tears, and, and, and you know, that means you know, mission accomplished. You did 
you guys did connect with us on, on that human level. Well, we should give well, some backstory here because uh, people are, that are listening may not be familiar with the, the, the plot of this particular series. So there have been two seasons and each episode is maybe about seven or eight minutes long. Fewer, a little bit longer, but the main premise uh, that the series starts with is that Jason and Brian are a married couple and they've just celebrated their uh, 15 year wedding anniversary. And unfortunately, right at that point, Jason's stomach problems and fatigue, he's diagnosed with stage four fatal cancer. And the premise of the program is how his husband, Brian, tries to move on after Jason passes away. So the show is replete with flashbacks to his life with Jason, mixed in with the life events that Brian experiences after Jason's death and pursuing relationships, uh, maintaining friendships. Dealing with the in-laws. Dealing with in-laws, going out on a limb and, and starting his own agency. It looks at all of those issues, but the primary force of the show is how do you move on when that concept of forever that you felt you shared is shattered and, and abruptly you know, taken yeah. away? How do you move past that? Well, Leah, that was great. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. So let's dive right in. Um, we have Michael Sleed, co-creator, uh, fabulous writer. Please go to his Facebook and to the After Forever page and see all the other projects that he's worked on. And... Some of you may recognize the voice from Friday the 13th. Some of you may recognize the voice from One Life to Live or Days of Our Lives. And most of you will love him after you watch After Forever. We're joined also by Kevin Spiritus, co-creator and co-star of After Forever. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Wow, it's an honor to have you guys here. Well. It's it's wonderful that you guys are up and running and you're um, continuing on in in the during this crazy time. I hope everybody is staying safe and well. Absolutely. It's, those of you who have listened to our program know that I also co-host on the soap opera program. So I've spoken to Michael and Kevin a few times now after season one, and we were so glad they came back after winning Emmys and getting all kinds of great attention for the show. They came back when season two. Uh, premiered and now they're here with us why don't you guys give our listeners uh, the genesis of how after forever came to be well um i had been a writer on uh, days of our lives and i had joined the show shortly before kevin left the show so though i knew him he didn't know me because writers and actors on soaps don't tend to be allowed to mingle they don't like it so anyway uh fast forward a bunch of years not like the actors and writers don't like it but the soaps usually frown down <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you don't want any collaboration you know be, um aka drake nobody talking then they, then they then uh they, they stay in power <laughs> um but anyway um Fast forward uh, some years, and um, I was at my gym uh, here in New York, and I saw this guy working out, and I went, 
that that's that Kevin Spiritus from Days of Our Lives. Gotta be, but he lives in LA. What's he doing? What's he doing on the Upper West Side here? And uh, anyway, um, actually, it was June first, twenty fourteen, to be exact. <laughs> and after <laughs> you're one, you're like me. I I remember dates, times, everything. People telling me <laughs> I remember nothing. Um, <laughs> Continue talking, Michael. <laughs> it's like this song in TG, you know. <laughs> I remember it well, oh yes, except everything's wrong. Anyway, um, I finally went over to him and said, uh, you don't know me, but I, you're Kevin Spiritus, aren't you? And he very um, cautiously said yes. <laughs> um, and I, I had so many fans coming up to me at the gym, I just had to, you know, bat them away. <laughs> so I explained who I was, and then, then, he, then he became his wonderful, warm self and <laughs> said, you know, this is really um, fortuitous. I've been thinking about wanting to, you know, create a series, and maybe you and I should grab a coffee one of these days and talk. So we, we well, we 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 were. We, I'm going to interrupt here. I yeah. I asked Michael what he was up to these days if he was still working on one of the soaps, and and he has said no. And I said, well, I've been wanting to do a new show, and I wanted to do a show about gay men uh, in their fifties. And because I had just turned something like that, uh, and um, <laughs> that's, that's when he said, "Yeah, let's grab coffee." Just I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal the phrase from you. <laughs> Not that I'm fifty, we had I'm found 40s, that, but I'll, yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> we Go had ahead. found that we wanted to tell stories about men who we were and who we knew and and what was personal to us, and that was that was the first connection. And also because because you know it's and we, as we Kevin and I discussed. Once, as a rule, gay men are no longer 20 or 30 in the hot thing, then we yeah. kind of disappear from popular culture until we're <clears> the <throat> 80-year-old down the hall who's asexual <laughs> and has a cat. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it re was really important to both of us to to want to write a, create a story about that. I explained to Michael that I I felt that there were no parts coming down the pike with my name on it. And I wanted to create something for myself. And, 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 and then I, I took a long pause. Very long, very long. <laughs> Five words later. Uh, but I know, um, I think, but, but the truth be told, I, I was very turned on by telling story through this new thing called web series and digital series and short form. And, and Michael really liked that idea. And, I know Michael's a great writer, but I didn't know how great of a writer he was until we really sat down and we started to like structure this and tell story and figure out story. And we were having some, not some roadblocks, but we just, we were having a couple of challenges figuring out how to make Brian this heroic character to uh, go out into the dating world. And then Michael. We knew that the this, this series would be starting with, with Jason being dead. Uh, spoiler alert to anybody who has not mm -hmm. seen episode one of season one you find that out at the end of the episode. But, you know, you can't really care about a relationship that you haven't gotten to know as an audience member and invest in. So it started becoming really important to, uh, the concept of having these flashbacks as Liv talked about that would allow us to see the, their relationship from <laughs> its first meeting to uh, Jason's death and through chosen moments to have these flashbacks. Well, Michael asked me a question. You brought up the, the topic about how do we make uh, Brian, um, you know, symp not sympathetic, but what did you use another word? You said, how do we make him heroic or how do we make him 
why is he out looking for a relationship? And that's when you had introduced your, your personal story. Right, uh, backing up, yes. We, yeah. we, we had initially been talking about, Kevin, Kevin had broached, you know, what about a series about- um, A guy my age dating. A guy his age who's dating. And I said, well, why is a guy your age dating? Why isn't he in a relationship? Why not? <laughs> and, I mean, no, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't facetious. It was, you know, there has to be a there has to be a reason for the audience to then care, you know, that he's dating. Right. And uh, I shared with Kevin at that point. I had lost my partner. I guess it was about two and a half years ago. Before at that point, to this actually this the cancer diagnosis that we gave Jason. And I said, you know, well that's you know a lot heavier kind of series than we were talking about we were talking about something light and fun but the minute he said it the minute he said it i i did not waste a beat and i said we're using it and i hope you're good with that and um and and yes he was i also want to acknowledge michael for uh feeling comfortable enough at this time in our creative working relationship that he wanted to creatively work through this particular issue or, or subject matter in his life and that was that's the gift of the series because yeah. and I both agree that when a relationship ends, whether it's through a breakup or through a loss, a diagnosis of cancer or death or anything like that, the, the love still continues and the relationship still continues. The love never dies. And that's what kind of created the flashback situation and bringing the story forward and moving it through that way. So That I think really defines the, I mean, truly three-dimensional characters, Brian and, and Jason, and the rich emotional tapestry. I mean, there's just so much that you can, in very brief episodes, there is so yeah. much emotion. It's like a gut punch of, of, um, of emotion and feeling and three-dimensional love between these two characters. And that may account for it is that the, the personal love that that went into preparing these episodes because it's very much there i mean these two men are, are are alive on video and their relationship it's dynamic because it's got so many different aspects to it and neither of them are perfect and they just kind of fit together in a way that was almost perfection and the question for me as I sort of go through each episode is how, how is Brian going to find somebody else when you have a relationship mm -hmm. like that, that seems to meet all your expectations and how does somebody meet that bar that's been set? That's, that's a great question, you know, too, because if you still really look at season one, the flashbacks with the exception of the, of the uh, diagnosis, they're all of a one, an almost perfect relationship. Yeah. They, there are never any arguments. There's the, I mean, they, everything is, and in season two, the flashbacks start to show yes. that everything was, you know, it isn't perfect. And I think it's right. very much a part of the, of the grieving process that is it, an important part of the grieving process. Initially, you know, we tend to, um, and the character says this, you know, we often put somebody who's passed up on a pedestal and then yes. it's impossible to, it does become impossible to move on because if you make them a god, <laughs> then, mm -hmm. then, you know, what human can possibly live up to that? I mean, it's yep. hard enough that you, you go out on a date and you're, 
you know, and you're comparing date one with, you know, a 15 year marriage. Mm-hmm. And I also think, I also think that the, the guilt of, of wanting to maybe move, I mean, you don't, uh, yes. I, I have not experienced the loss of a, of a, of a, of a husband or a, a partner in that sense. I did, I have experienced a great deal of loss in my life, especially in the early to mid eighties when the AIDS epidemic had, had hit. And, um, and now we're actually going through another time of loss in 2020 here with this crazy pandemic. But I think um, as far as a relationship, a personal relationship is, in, is concerned, I hadn't dealt with that. So I kind of brought in different elements of it. And I think Michael and I were, we wanted to show all aspects about love and loss and moving on and moving forward. And I think there's no roadmap to it. And I don't think anyone has a handbook, so to speak, to get through it, but you just have to get through it. And I, I think I, Michael and I had a lot of ideas, and but his personal experience added into this was so beautifully needed in, if you will. Uh, and I think it really tells a beautiful arc and a beautiful story. We've been all focusing on the uh, gut punched and crying and the emotion of that, but there's also a great deal of humor. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was going to say that because I, I love humor and and I lo- I love the uh, I love that um, that those you know occasional connotations of of humor and and I think when when you bring humor, I, I think humor is such it's such a natural human. A condition is such a natural human aspect, and I love how how that was incorporated as well. We like I mean, to call it a dramedy. Well, with all due, you know, with all due respect, and I have I have nothing but great um, love of the form of daytime drama of soap opera, the classic soap operas, having worked in them for a lot of years. But generally, the difference between soap opera and movie or primetime for me, is that in reality, we have, in the worst of moments, find something we laugh at. And in in soap opera, the tendency is just stay on the one note. You take the same scene and make it a primetime series or a movie, and there'll be other colors in there as well. One of the other colors was the anger. Um, And for me, I love camp and I was so glad that, you know, this series didn't really hit the camp camp end of things. We have the pause and we have little moments where, you know, you could call it camp, but what really hit for me was the beginning, the progression of letting the, the anger show and letting the anger feel. Um, can you guys talk a little about that? Again, I think that's a, you know, it's a part of the journey that Brian, we, we allowed Brian to get to the point that he could start to really let the anger out. This is also, it's also, excuse me, Michael, it's also, we're dealing with a group, a, a close group of friends uh, who are this pack. And, you know, it, it is around Jason and Brian's relationship, but you have these friends all trying to push Brian forward and help him move forward to get through this. And there are funny things that happen. And I think even again, that's what causes more guilt. Like how can I be, how can Brian be having a good time when Jason is dead, when this relationship has died? In in addition though, is, 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 and, and to that, the fact that each of those friends, they're also grieving, you know, and that's part of, Everybody is trying to find their own, their ways through this. Um, you know, Jason's parents are trying to find their ways through it. 
You see more of it in season two, but you yeah. definitely, it starts very gradually in season one. In season one. Yeah. Right. But you do definitely get to see in season two, the friends kind of have segments in the episode. We had to open up the story. You, we had to yes, open up the story. Yeah. Where, where you really start seeing how they are, are dealing with, with Jason's um, death in its aftermath. But it, you also really get to see the tension between his friends trying to get him to, to move on with his life and also continue celebrating and, and memorializing Jason in a lot of ways. Exactly. It's almost a case of, uh, for many of the friends, of don't wish too hard. You know? Yeah, that's um, right. I mean, in season one, all they want is for him to move on and find somebody new. And <laughs> right. when he starts trying to actually do that, it brings up other issues for the friends as, you know, as, as well as for, for Brian. Right. They deal with, hey, this person that he's with is not Jason. <laughs> you know? Exactly. How, how do we get acclimated to that? Well, guys, you guys have been celebrated for season one tremendously um including some emmy nods five, five, um, five emmys five emmys well we had five <laughs> emmy wins and and now we've got nine <laughs> emmy prenoms for uh 2020 yes so obviously you know it went beyond the community it went beyond lgbt and you know we spoke in in our other previous conversations um i was extremely impressed with the fact that you know when i looked at tv you know, you look at Will and Grace, which I absolutely love, but a character like Jack, we all know someone like him, but I mean, he was so over the top in the, the character of that kind of personality. You look at something like Modern Family, and I've always said, those two men, you know, he should have been a truck driver or, you know, and made him real, made him a real man. You never saw them intimate with each other. In fact, every time that they were to I stopped watching it after after a couple of seasons because it really started to bother me because every time there was a moment where you thought that they would finally get you know lovey dovey not even you know sexual just you know just hold hands utterly. well yeah here's, I want to I want to whereas every other couple on that show is intimate with each other on that show and it, I, it's exactly. one of the things that particularly annoyed me. Michael and I also had the opportunity because we were moving into an uncharted territory of digital drama and web series and uh, you know, many people had in, kind of coached and instructed us to write the pilot, shoot the pilot episode and then try and sell it and Michael and I both knew that if we did that most likely they'd buy it from us, they'd recast it and you know we would have no input or control over the story we wanted to tell and I think by holding on to that, we were able to tell the story we wanted to tell of of these two men who are very, you know, healthy, sexual, you know, you know, exciting and loving human beings, and um, that's the story we got to tell, and it was rewarded for it. And and one of the things that's you know that you know, and I, I I've always believed. Um, and I think Kevin would agree, is that if you deal with the emotions in an honest way, out of the specificity of this being a gay couple, you will mm. get a universal appeal. Yeah. And that has proven to be true. Our, our audience, uh, the dem demos on our audience 
I mean, yes, obviously we have a, you know a, a, a huge um, LBGTQ following, oh, but we also have a tremendous amount of of straight people writing us about how moved they are and how much they love the series and and people in their 20s, people in their 80s and everywhere in between writing us the same way. We've come a long way as a society, even sometimes we don't really want to notice it from not so many years ago when Brokeback Mountain was, you know, <laughs> yes. eventually denied the Oscar because it was, you know, I mean, the fact that it was made was supposed to be its Oscar. We have a we have a, a very beautiful love story between two human beings here, and it, it's it's depicted through two men, and it's gay thematic, but it's a universal theme about loss and love, and you can't and people respond to it if you speak to and you you offer your truth and you do something that's personal to you. I think that always comes through in shows. I think our society is willing to see that now. I remember there's a big fuss a big hubbub when I was about 14 or 15, there was a, uh, there was a drama called 30 something. And there's a big, <laughs> oh, yeah. huge fuss yes. because two men were talking about HIV and they kissed each other on screen. That caused so much oh. reams and reams of angry tantrums and, and writing. And now, you know, 30 years later, we've gotten to a place where people can not just look at who is romantically involved, but they can see the universal emotions of, of grief and, and love and, and loss that are um, intermingled in that. We've gone so far in 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. And Beautifully I think said, Leah. Part of that you have to attribute to people having for the past 30 years been more willing to come out and be visible. And yes, thank you. <laughs> Because once people started realizing that so-and-so's son or daughter or my cousin's whatever or the person down the street, oh, that's what gay is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're, they're just people like us. They're the people right. I know. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, there was room, you know, I agree I, I, about what you were saying earlier about Will and Grace. Um, um, and it was not a favorite of mine for many of the reasons of the stereotypes and that we really could never let Will have a boyfriend. But I think that Will and Grace, what it did do yeah. was it put gay people on a weekly basis in the living room of every, most homes in America. Yeah. And yeah. we weren't the side, we weren't the side dish. We were the that, main voice. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I think it opened the doors for the conversation. And, 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 and Will did eventually get a boyfriend. Yeah. Um, and but it took a long time. Yeah. <laughs> a baby and, step. And, 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 and El, I have to also throw in there, the, and Ellen as well. I mean, Ellen's public coming out. Oh, yeah. yes. That was big. Yes. yes. And, and guys, I have to, I really have to bank on, on this awesome conversation. Um, uh, on, on our end, uh, as an advocacy organization that we are, you know, we represent that intersectionality of the community, LGBT community, uh, of those of us who are also LGBT and uh, blind or visually impaired. Mm -hmm. That's one of my big, big, big flags. I always tell people, because some people, even in my own family, have asked me, people who are open, cousins and people who I consider very close to me, have asked me, um, 
we love you and it, it's great. It's okay. But why do you have to be so out and proud? <laughs> and, and that's the reason what you just, this conversation that you guys just had right now, it summarizes what I've always said, because, you know, the, the fact that we had been hiding in a closet 30 years ago, that's a, that was a validation for society to keep thinking that this is something that needs to be hidden, that this is something wrong, that this is something that we should be ashamed of. So no, now we're out and proud because we know that we are just a human being who we love homosexually and we don't love heterosexually. And, and the fact that we love and have the same emotions and what you guys said, um, when people started realizing that this is gay, um, you know, my son, my cousin, my nephew, my grandkid is gay, and they're proud of us because of everything in our life. It's just another part of us. It's just an aspect of who we are. So thank you for that. I had to put in my little advocacy no, that's <laughs> flag wonderful. out there. I'm, I'm 57, and when they handed as all these Emmys and, uh, you know, I won for Outstanding Lead Actor. If you would have told me this 20 years ago that I would be able to stand on stage and thank my, late, my leading man, you know, and, and be <laughs> proud of, of, um, of accepting this for this kind of story, I, you would have been able to knock me over with a feather. It's, it's just something <laughs> that's it's an evolving time. And sometimes still, I'm not saying everybody has to come out, but it's helpful that there's programs like ours and other people's journeys and stories that are inspiring to stand in your truth because some people are not able to do that still. And it's just a, a sad matter of fact. There are still a lot of parts, I think, particularly if you've seen what's happened with country music musicians who have tried to come out. I mean, it ruined Ty Herndon's career, I think. It, it is Shelley Wright. I think had more success at least publicly, but there are still some segments it seems to me of the entertainment industry that are not there yet. And I think every series, every story, every story that involves same sex relationships and, and quote unquote normalizes them starts to move everybody closer to acceptance. Who would have thought that we could have had a major candidate running for president? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. An, yeah. Out, an out gay man. And that, yes. that was not an issue in his, you know, in, in, in the, you know, in the mix. Right. Uh, it's extraordinary. After we did our last interview um, with Take Two, uh, I got some feedback and one of the, one of the emails that actually Pam got it and, and forwarded it to us. One of the emails was from a younger gay gentleman uh, who sat down with his grandmother who loved Days of Our Lives. And she was having a really hard time communicating with him. And he sat down with After Forever, you know, and said, hey, um, you know, Dr. Wesley, this is, you know, this is what he's doing now. And, and this is who <laughs> I want, this is who I want to be, you know, and, and they sat through the first two episodes and, and she was crying oh. and, and they ended up watching the entire, you know, the entire season together. And, and it, it was the, the thing that broke the tension between them to actually, you know, I, he, the email, it was long and it was beautiful, you know, and he, he said, she's worried about his health and she's worried about somebody hating him for who he is and, mm -hmm. and all the things that I think 
you know, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, you, you know, best friends, all people who care, you, you know, I, those are all the things that are always going to cross their mind and the things yeah. that they're going to feel and worry about. But five Emmys later, a bunch of noms for season two, you know, people that are using, you know, using after forever to communicate, you, you guys have, you guys have stepped into, into our history. Uh, um, well, thank you. you. Know, that's, I, I, I do. Thank you for say, sharing that. that yeah, was, I would love. I was just going to say, can you forward that email? I'd love to read that email. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I will get it to you this week. I promise. <laughs> um, when, when we, when after the, um, season one had concluded, when the Emmys had concluded, we had become the first LGBTQ drama series to ever win five Emmys, and um, that was a real honor and a real. It wasn't expected. We we were this little show that could, you know, and we didn't set out to do anything but do, to do and create great content. And um, I'm so happy to hear that story. That's beautiful. No, it's interesting because we've I, we've heard a lot of stories from people about how it has helped them through their grief. We've had a lot of stories about how it has helped them understand a parent's grief. But that's that's really um, quite moving. Yeah. You know, when we, when we spoke, I, I had to impress on you the, the last two times, and, and I'm saying it again. I, I finally found a series where I saw a version of myself. Hmm. And, you know, I cried, absolutely, but I didn't cringe once. And to me, that, please forgive me, I know you're presenting it as a short form, but it, it was like, oh, my God, why isn't this on one hour a week, you know, mm -hmm. for the next 10 years? But I get, you know, I get the storytelling process the way and beautifully, oh my God, but more. I want more. I want more because it's the first time I saw really, you know, myself and, and portions of my story. Well, and I just to give you guys a little bit of, of, of sorry, of, of how many emotions, the range of emotions that you that you have ignited <laughs> with, <laughs> with the show is I cried, but I did cringe <laughs> because... I'm I'm a little bit of a uh, grow, growing Catholic, and I have a lot of I mean, a religious point of view. Now I'm I'm at a different place, uh, but there's so many things that that are taboo, and you're not supposed to talk about because if you talk about them, you you jinx them. So I did cringe because to me, to think you know, losing my forever, who is Anthony, it, 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 you know, the thought of it makes me cringe, and I was like, no, 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 let me not jinx this. <laughs> oh baby okay oh. That, that's, a, that's an okay kind of cringe yeah yeah well I, I think i think that's what this is about i think it's about it's about reminding people that the people sitting right next to them are there right now look four months ago who would have ever believed this is where we were going to be sitting you know this is not a cancer diagnosis this is a, a a flu virus that's going around and it's, it's yeah. killing people. So, I mean, we have, we only have today, we only have now and um, it should be celebrated. And uh, wow. this just happens to be a story that, I mean, first of all, we have an incredibly diverse cast yes. and crew, yeah. extraordinary talent from um, Anita Gillette, Katie Huffman, uh, uh, Mary Beth Peel, Lenny Wolpe, Michael Yuri, Mitchell Anderson, um, uh, whom I, uh, Jim Newman, uh, Aaron Cherry, everybody who showed up, they just loved this script. They loved the storytelling and they loved the heart of it. And I think that's what you're actually able to see, watch, or hear, or, or, or feel. Every, every, everybody, 
every, I, I would say every cast member and crew, staff, they are there because they're with us because they want to be. I mean, this is not a form that they get, you know, primetime money for. And no matter how big a Broadway or, or, or television star they were, the people that we approached uh, about roles, nobody said no. Everybody read it and said, I want to be part of this. There were a couple of people early on who schedules wouldn't permit it, but people just wanted to be a part of it. And I, and I also think that one of the things that we sell, that's celebrated in the show and, and some of the actors have talked about it in interviews is that that whole group of gay friends are all, you know, they're played by out gay actors. And they've talked about the camaraderie and the ease of being on set playing those roles <laughs> because of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and we're also really proud of that both seasons have been directed by women exclusively. Oh, um, awesome. Our, our uh, cinematographer, our, D- director, our DP, is, is, a, is an Asian woman. Um, and our line producer is, is our, a woman. Is, is a, I mean, we, you know, um, we've had, our crew has been gay, straight, trans, um, trans um, male, female, all races and backgrounds. And, you know, and, and that's been important to us in how we have created the family that is the show. And I think that that extreme diversity of everybody working on it adds to the tapestry and the depth of emotion and the depth of character on the show, on what you see on screen. That's one of my favorite things about diversity, guys. I, I definitely kudos for you for that um, selection of, of talent because I, I, I do believe that, you know, we, we, we should get over the fact that um, before people used to say, I don't know, someone transgender or a woman, oh, but, you know, regardless of, they're good. No, I think diversity is precisely that, that people are good at what they do because of who they are. Exactly. No despite of who they are. Yes, no despite, but because. Yeah, well, you have any kind of workplace, but when you have a show where every, it's totally homogenous, then you get, you know, white red quality. You get a homogenous quality. I was on a I was on a panel some months ago, and I'm I, I'm not going to name them, but the creators <laughs> I, there were creators of of a lot of shows of from digital, but ne- also network, Showtime, you know, whatever. And uh, a, a number, one of them was was going on at great length about how well it's just so hard to you know we would like to have more diversity in our writer's room and we would like to have more diversity on our crew and we would like to but you know it's in and our directors but it's just so hard to find them and 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 you know and and I listened and I listened and I listened and I finally said you know I know I don't have to have a you know network approval on my show but <laughs> all you have to do is look because <laughs> there's great diversity out there and Did you they're walk all down coming the out of film schools and they're all mm-hmm. coming out of there. You just have to be willing to not call the friend you've worked with for 30 years. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with doing that either. There's no, 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 but, but, but exclusively yeah. do that, you know, you know. Listen, uh, Colleen Kwok, our, our, our cinematographer, she is the reason we kind of went with her uh, is because she had this very, very youthful and very um, edgy, 
edgy look. In the, uh, I, in the indie film. Indie part. film. That's the word. Thank you, Michael. Um, see, always the writer. Um, she, knew, <laughs> she knew that indie world, and she gave us this great cinematography. Cinematography. This look of of, of a movie and. Anthony, you were saying about how you wish it could be on every night for, you know, once a week for an hour. I think the thing that Michael actually was able to really create with the storytelling was, is that each individual 11 minute episode is like a mini movie. And I think it, yeah, it really is. You really learn that you don't have to have an hour long story um, being told. To feel like you've had a, I mean, it was really important to Kevin and I. Yeah. Uh, when we were, when it, from the get-go, when we were just discussing it all, that because we we looked at a lot of web series, digital series that were out there, and some of them were quite good, and and a lot of them, episodes didn't feel like episodes. They felt like a we wrote minute. a 90-minute thing and we cut it up into you know this these scenes and is an episode, and then um, and I said you know I think what's really important here is that. You, you should feel as fulfilled as when you watch an hour long episode or half hour long episode in terms of having had an arc of story, an arc of character. And, you know, and, and obviously Kevin completely agreed with that. And we, you know, we ran with it, you know, and, and though it's a serial story and they lead to the next one that you feel like you've had a full experience. A complete experience. Yeah. Also, right, right. And it's I'll just it's edit- the content. Yeah, and I'll just add into that. The first season, we we sh- we had all of these beautiful takes of you know pan uh, panning across the the room and then going down the street. Look at all these beautifully shot things, and we just found that we didn't need all of that to tell this story. And we found ourselves reducing, 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 and editing and editing. And then we just gave you this you know bam, bam, bam story. And um, I'm very proud of it. I'm very. Michael is too, and and then we got season three to get going now. So <laughs> approaching it is like that old game show that you all may be too young for. Uh, name that tune, and it's like you know where where it was. How many notes could you name a tune? I can name that tune. <laughs> four notes. <laughs> name that tune. I can and, tell the story in four scenes. And it's and with this, it was like what is absolutely necessary to be there to tell the story and move it along and cut away the extraneous. Well, from the blind perspective, it, it, well, first and foremost, I, I told you in previous conversations, I couldn't believe how much story was put into each episode that, you know, you r- literally did walk away feeling like, you know, you went through a range of, and it, like you sat through an episodic, but from, you know, from the blind perspective, there's a, a huge movement that our organization is most, definitely involved in uh, you know for audio description and it's kind of frustrating when you sit down to certain types of of shows that don't offer audio description and uh, you know you miss a good bulk and and you can't really get the full arc of the story you know that was one of the first things in the you know the first two episodes that I had watched you know way back when last year that oh great okay i can follow with this i can you know and then on top of it i can feel and on top of it oh my god this looks and sounds and feels like me yeah because the dialogue is is rich so it i mean don't get me wrong it would be nice to someday have it audio described and we have a we have the american council of the blind we have the audio description project which will definitely get uh get to uh to see what we can do to to collaborate and and get your show audio described but like anthony was saying the bulk of the show it's so easy to follow 
just based on dialogue itself and on the emotions transmitted by the actors and actresses Beautiful. that it's that it's yeah. it would be the kind of show that's not terribly difficult to audio describe because there would just be yeah. a few a few scenes because I, mm -hmm. I know I did have some trouble at first oh this is who is this speaking okay this is this is a flashback between yeah. Jason and Brian right 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 um yeah. you know to get to sort of get accustomed well, especially to the in voices. the first episode too because you actually think you're you're it, you yeah, realize you're involved in flashbacks until exactly you of, of, of yeah until you get the hang of it. Correct. Yes. Yes. And then season then, two, yeah. yeah, season two, we opened up the flashbacks to other people as well, so it's not right. just Ryan. So that could be an interesting thing. But the thing is, there are a lot of action films or programs that really require a lot. Right. I think in this situation, you you'd only need something like you know a year and a half ago, Lisa yeah. is talking to Jason. You know. Um, uh, do you guys have a, uh, yeah. a link or anything about the uh, that project? I would be very sure that one of the project coordinators will be, uh, by the way, listeners, we're going to have an open Zoom call tomorrow at 7 p.m. with Michael to talk some more. And so you guys can ask some of the questions that you were sending us. Um, but I'm pretty sure one of the audio guys will probably be there yeah. and we will definitely forward you the links no matter what. That would be great. We're, we're, I, I, would to, I would love to get for us to get in touch with them also. Yeah, um, no, that's amazing that, that, you know, that it's just a small world. Um, one of our board directors uh, of our group, uh, Blind LGBT Pride, um, actually works for a company, he's an audio engineer. He works for Audio Eyes, which is one of the leading mm -hmm. companies doing audio description. Oh yeah, and he also narrates. He actually yeah. narrates he, he Modern Family, the, uh, the Goldbergs, et cetera. Go on. Wow. And yeah. then the guru of audio description, and this is not, I'm not exaggerating, worldwide, um, Joel Schneider, he's uh, very involved with the American Council of the Blind and he manages the entire audio description project. He is the man for audio description. So we're, we're surrounded, yeah, we're all family. First of all, I would love to actually close my eyes and listen to one of those. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. To, un, to un, under, better understand it and, and then to you know, see how we can talk to them, yeah. what we can do to help. Yeah. If you, have a, if you have a Netflix subscription, Netflix, all other shows are audio described and, and, and it's a function that you can turn on and off. So don't worry if you turn it on, oh, it's not fantastic. something that's going to stay there. Yeah. yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime does also a lot of their... I'm sure they're looking for people to um, audio describe as well. So uh, Yes, always looking. Yes, and you guys are. both have very, very, very beautiful <laughs> voices. <laughs> I do want to ask a question which is very basic. This is, this is me. This is, <laughs> this is who I am. One of the things that always has always fascinated me, I love writing. Um, I do it like, in, you know, at, at an amateur level. Um, but one of the things that always fascinates me is names, titles. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's very funny. I was just telling this story um, to uh, a friend of mine just yesterday that the name of Brian went from, didn't we go from Keith at one point? We were Keith? I think so, yeah. Brian. And I, <laughs> not that I felt it was too close to Kevin, but we were, we were kind of creating and tailoring <laughs> Brian's character for me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just, the, the Keith thing, all of a, it, I don't know, I get called Brian a lot. Kevin's and Brian's. Right <laughs> yes, and, and I can I, see that. I mean, I know, you know, well, especially when stop. you're blind, 
you 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 focus a lot on that like oh that person does sound like a brian that person sounds uh-huh. like a jason <laughs> so that's that's one thing and the other thing that I, I, I also find there are names that i categorically will not use for characters <laughs> okay because, because that kid that you knew in fourth grade who was just <laughs> yeah. like that's Whatever you, I hear that name, it just conjures him. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to all of us. But the other name that I really wanted to see if you can, if you can tell us a little bit about how it came, such a beautiful name after forever. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have thought of a better title. And, uh, and it's amazing. Can you tell us just a little bit of how it came up, how the decision was made on the name after forever? I think I was sitting right where Michael's sitting right now, and he was on the couch. And um, at my apartment, yeah, at his apartment. Um, I, we just started to talk about the story and how what happens happily ever after. Mm-hmm. What happens after forever? I it don't just sort of yeah. It just literally was one of those things that it just I, I can't even tell you which one of us said it first, but it kind of like kind of it really kind of like looked at each other. It was like oh, just, that's it. And, and we, we and we play we played with a couple of variations on it went no 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 it's this is this is the title yeah no it's perfect because you, you always do think what you know love is going to last forever right after what that. happens after what that. happens after yeah. forever yeah <laughs> there's a song and the day after that and the day after that and, but um you know it's a it, it, uh, sondheim and lapines uh into the woods you know mm-hmm. they, they, everybody mm-hmm. lives happily ever after at the end of act one and then <laughs> you get act two with Well, in the times that we are going through right now, I cannot give any higher recommendation to our listeners. Please go check out After Forever. Kevin, I know you are the one who can rattle it off. Can you tell everybody where to find you, Michael? And <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> Before we rattle off, um, I want to I want to thank you guys, and also if you are going to Amazon Prime to uh, forever, even if you've seen if you haven't seen that uh, season one and you go to season two, please if you like it, give it a review. Each season is a different tab to check out, but we'd love yep. to review at um, Amazon. It helps Amazon help move it forward, so that's a really great thing. You can find After Forever the Series dot com, After Forever the Series on Facebook, AF the Series on Twitter, After Forever the Series on Instagram. I'm Kevin Spiritus.com. Michael is not online. No, um, <laughs> you, can get it, you can get in touch with us or find anything else uh, out about After Forever, the team, previews, um, press, all on AfterForeverTheSeries.com. I actually have a very unupdated website. But, uh, very. Very, like <laughs> pre-After Forever. Um, <laughs> we stream on Amazon or Prime Video, as they now, as it's now officially called, and we that's in the United States and the um, United Kingdom, and then Kevin, the rest oh, of the world. We're, we're also on Binge Networks TV, Binge Networks TV, and we are worldwide with that. It's a pay per view. That's season one and two, but you can be anywhere in the world and check that out. And we also have it in Spanish subtitles. Um, on both Amazon and hopefully audio description to come along the way at some point. Yes, that would be fantastic. Yeah. That would be terrific. I would, yeah. Yeah. I opened up to our discuss list for questions. And of course, we got the will it be audio described at some point, which we discussed. 
Um, I would be remiss because I got three different requests to ask <laughs> Kevin, if Days calls, will you go back? <laughs> <laughs> you did the little digital series. Um, um, I just recently did, we just recently did the um, uh, uh, Blast, pa- no, um, it was called The Reunion or The Blast of the Past or something. Um, I had I had four lines. Thank you. Um, yes, it was, <laughs> I, I had a great time there. I would love to go back. Um, I say yes to work, you know. <laughs> and if I'm available, great. And um, but actually, uh, when we went back to do this, um, I was we were right in the middle of finishing up season two. I was in New York, and uh, Corday Productions had called and said, "We need you tomorrow." I went, uh, "Can't, sorry, love you." And they worked it out so I could come later on. So well, I know you guys are prepping for a season three. Um, we will ask all of our members to please leave comments so that that will prompt Amazon to spearhead you guys quickly. And for those of you listening, Michael has graciously agreed to an open Zoom, as I mentioned before. So please hit us up tomorrow night. Guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. This was thank a you. great conversation again. And yes, you guys, absolutely. You guys have thank to come back when season three comes out. And hopefully absolutely, this is yeah. not the end of a great collaborative partnership. And after forever, you guys have described as a trilogy. So hopefully someday there will be something else. And maybe you can incorporate a blind character into whatever. Yeah, Michael, let's do it. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and just to close, I have to say that I am hanging up on this Zoom call, and I'm going straight to Facebook to flaunt that I just spoke <laughs> with Michael yeah. and Kevin. <laughs> Thank you. I am going to brag. <laughs> oh, that's really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Everybody, once again, thank you for listening to Pride Connection. You can find us here every Tuesday night. It replays again on Wednesday and on Sunday. Join us for the open Zoom call. And we'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Talk Thanks, to you next Ed. time. Bye-bye. Safe, safe. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. Bye, Take care. Stay well. And that was part one of our three-part series, and who knows, maybe even more, with Kevin Spiritus and Michael Slade. Um, part two is a very sad episode about the passing of Michael Slade and the celebration of his life. Um, and part three will be a follow-up with Kevin that will be airing on May 2nd and May 9th. And of course, will always be available in perpetuity on our podcast at Pride Connection. Check your podcatchers or favorite podcast clients or visit the acbmedia.org website to find out more information. We'll be back in about two weeks with our third part of this series with Kevin Spiritus and the After Forever crew. Don't forget to check out our brand new website, which is available at bpi.gay. Again, our new webpage is bpi.gay. All right, we'll see you all in about two weeks. Good night. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blind.gay. LGBTPride.org. Song.